and welcome back to the ad world review today is day three the final day and i'm rylan trader and i'm stephen burkhart and we're gonna jump right into it so for the first one what did you think so uh ashton shanks was the very first guy that i watched there was uh let's be honest today was a sleepy day it was, it was a no bones day <laughs> it was getting rough. So, yeah yes. so uh needless to say i did not start at 6 a.m because uh, I am in Arizona time. We're in Arizona, so yes. it's uh, 6 a.m. our time, and I thought, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Ashton did uh, some pretty cool stuff. And so um, the two things that I got from him, just checking my notes here that are hiding off screen, um, is that he talked about how a lot of people just put too much pressure on the ads that they run, mm -hmm. that uh, they're really expecting to run an ad and then get all the way to the sale. And certainly if you're doing like a direct-to-consumer product or drop shipping or whatever else, that may be the case. Um, however, he was saying really the function of the ad is just to get people curious enough mm -hmm. to click whatever it is you have in the click, a learn more button, a discover more, a, a link yeah. to the landing page, what have you. That is really the only pressure you should be putting on an ad is just for people to click the link. So obviously that's going to go to a landing page or your website or... Uh, whatever else that then has more things that are going to send people to a sale. But he said that, a lot of, yeah, just people put too much pressure on it. And so they don't think it's going to perform as well because of all that extra pressure that it was never meant to handle. Second thing that I thought was really cool was he talked about um, that, that uh, there's multiple touch points, right? And so sometimes mm -hmm. that comes in the form of retargeting ads. Um, but he was basically saying that sometimes the reason an ad is not doing as well as you'd hoped is because there just simply aren't enough touch points. Mm -hmm. And so I can't remember if it was him that showed the chicken ad. Yes. Yeah, so he was. showed this ad that was like for a sign. It was a company that sold these signs that have like chicken crossing and it was like kind of a cute sign. Mm -hmm. And he said they ran the, ran the ad and it didn't go so well. And then they added the same ad but they photoshopped in like a chicken head looking at the person, like mm -hmm. looking at you, the viewer, and all of a sudden the ad did well. Um, and so not only are touch points involved, but literally the smallest changes. Yeah. Which is so aggravating because like on one hand, it's like, oh, this is kind of adventure mm -hmm. into finding out what works. And on the other hand, you're like, I literally could be spending thousands of dollars. Exactly. And if I just added a chicken looking at the people, we could. it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. How frustrating is that? <laughs> so whatever, you know, it's just, it goes back to the point that, that uh, even some of the other people that we're going to talk about is that creative is so important that you can have someone who runs an ad and that's all gravy. You can have someone who pull, uh, does a really great strategy. Amazing. Uh, but at the end of the day, if the creative doesn't catch people's interest, it all ultimately fails. So that was it for me on him. Um, what did you take away on that? Uh, pretty much all the same things, but I think one thing that I noticed that him and a lot of other people were mentioning is for those touch points is he mentioned the FOMO factor mm. of like everyone else is already doing it. You're missing out. Why aren't you part of like the herd mentality is what he called it. So I found that that was super interesting. Yeah, he did a lot on the objections mm -hmm. and the psychology behind objections of like your body is always trying to protect itself and find out something that's awesome. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. the, to your point, yeah, the herd mentality is if, if everyone's headed off in that direction, what's happening over there that's either going to make me safer or is something that's worth my time as far as interest. 
So anyway, so that was him. He he, he was really great. Um, next couple of points that we really really liked is actually from the next person that we watched, which was Lindsay Shearer. What really stood out to you about her? She was all about about Pinterest. Yes. So she works for Pinterest Profits, and one thing I thought that was very interesting was actually how much conversion pinterest actually has on it and while like the dates between the person seeing it and buying it aren't always as close because it's more of like a long-term type of game it does have like one of the highest conversion rates of like any social media app out there yeah definitely it was i think her the statistic she had that was the absolute lowest was that people were getting a three times return on their ad spend from completely cold traffic yeah. From people, that was the lowest, right? So the range was like three to five percent or three to five times. And then I think on like warm traffic, it was like 11 to 16 times. It was something yeah. ludicrous. It's crazy. What else is ludicrous is how much you have to spend to get to that number. But <laughs> all right. So the one thing I had with her that was really interesting was that most, um, most searches that happen on Pinterest are non-branded searches. So no one's, they're not looking for a specific brand. They're looking just for a solution or something that's interesting. So uh, instead of focusing on the branded part of things, just focusing on it being like super relevant keywords that people are searching for and just, just keeping it, just the searchability is so important. Uh, and then being able to center all your content and all the like, you know, Pinterest SEO around that mm-hmm. as opposed to being so brand focused. So, I mean, I think what was interesting about Pinterest that makes it mm-hmm. so much different than so many other social media platforms is that um, your content can continue to spread and drive traffic. So like, I think I was telling you like right after we watched that is that there was this random photo and I think it was um, a photo taken with like the instant film mm-hmm. uh, of, uh, it was black and white and it was of a really cool looking like barbed wire uh, fence mm-hmm. that was in downtown Phoenix. And I want to say for like the next year, someone had reposted that into some sort of collection, probably every two to three weeks. Um, now, it didn't have any like business ROI for me because at the yeah. time I was just literally just posting a photo that I liked and had nothing to do with my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was crazy to think that it continued to make an impact. Now, if this had been content that I was trying to get organic reach on with my business, I'm now sharing a piece of content over and over and over and over and over again that has links back to my website as opposed to that will never, ever happen on Instagram mm-hmm. at all. Like it never will. The the visibility and the impact it has on my business over time decreases, doesn't increase. So that was really cool about Pinterest is like, just like from a personal side of things, it was just wild to see that content would continue to build my brand long after I posted. So next up was uh, Jay Bowden. Uh, he is part of the Inc. Google Growth Incubator and uh, super neat guy, but there was definitely a couple things that stood out to you that I think you really liked. So if you could yes. share. So kind of off key, but my when he started it, he had gave us a 30 second meditation break, which was like probably my highlight for today. We took a second and we sat there. I looked over, I'm pretty sure me and Sue were both sitting like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was very vibey. And he mentioned four key points to grow your business by 10%. And those four are don't stop at the North Star, align goals by rooting out misalignment, reimagine how you sprint, and stand up dedicated project management, which he got into. 
He sure did. Um, he, I think the thing that uh, really stood out for me was point number two of like rooting out misalignment. And he was just talking about how like a misalignment on your goals can really cause a lot of problems for your strategy because if you have this goal of attracting attention, but you actually need to like do something completely different, then yeah. it's going to completely change what your advertising looks like, what your marketing looks like, what your content looks like, mm-hmm. and uh, to make sure that all the KPIs KPIs lined up. And the example he used, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's essentially like um, uh, an Airbnb, which is you have one side, which is the supply of homes that you have to market to, and that requires its own KPI goals and marketing. And on the other side, you've got to get people to the website to rent those homes. And that requires its own KPIs and goals and marketing. And so just realizing that if you had gotten those mixed up or wrong and they weren't quite Mm -hmm. aligned, you would either have a supply problem on the home side or a supply problem on uh, the people renting. And all of a sudden you have a business model that completely falls flat. So the next guy, uh, Lauren, he was uh, the next speaker that we watched uh, he was definitely like a like a nerdy seo guy Loved um it. not nerdy in the sense he was unwatchable he was a cool dude mm-hmm. uh but definitely gotten the the, the nitty-gritty of, of how to get website traffic and one of the things that yeah. he mentioned that was really really good was um changing um in wordpress the categories that it typically defaults to uh which don't tend to actually like bring together the content that people want to read. It also makes it hard for users to search for it, makes it hard for Google to search for it. And so he suggested instead to recategorize it into topic clusters. Mm-hmm. And immediately, like when we, cause over COVID we did a whole bunch of different HubSpot stuff. So it's like you got HubSpot certified for social media marketing. Uh, I got certified for content marketing and email marketing. And uh, in the content marketing part, they talked a lot about uh, topical clusters of information. They have it instead of keyword based, it's topic based. Mm-hmm. And so they had, they'd have their own structure of how you're supposed to structure content as far as how it links and the size of the post and stuff like that. But they never really talked about like the web structure of like the actual website. And so this was really interesting because it kind of was like the part two of that where like, mm-hmm. okay, you've made all your topic clusters uh as far as content goes here's how to arrange them on the website that makes sense that's searchable for both google and for people and it's helpful and he was talking about how they would even go so far as to share those categories on uh their distribution platforms like twitter and facebook and all Mm -hmm. those other things and so they're able to say like hey learn more about xyz and then people go to that and then there'd be this huge resource of that specific topic which was really helpful so Mm -hmm. I thought that was super tasty. Um, who do we have next? Sebastian Deha, I believe is how you pronounce it. That's as good as my and, guess would be. <laughs> and he went into kind of YouTube and how to get some free traffic. And he said that one of the major key components for people to know is don't worry about your subscriber count because at the end of the day, most of your subscribers aren't the ones watching your content. It's people who are looking up stuff and trying to find stuff and watching your content. So focus on those keywords, focus on getting those tags, focus on getting those your name more out there so people obviously know who you are, but don't worry about either the subscriber count or the view count because also view count is like 
to get a thousand views is like not very common like 40 percent of all YouTube videos, he said, get under 200 like likes or views. I think it was 500. Like 500, yeah. which is crazy to think, you know? Well, yeah, because you're you know, to like the videos that you're searching to do the research mm -hmm. have like can have like hundreds of thousands of views. And so then it's Absolutely. like, it's crazy to imagine that for by and large, most people are never even going to get close to that. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Mm -mm. Okay. So the things I really, really liked was. Um, besides all the things that you mentioned, which were amazing, is the tool that he mentioned was VidIQ, V-I-D-I-Q. And that is the resource that he mentioned to actually do the research on uh, the videos that are doing well in uh, the same category, same topic that you're planning on posting a video about to do research on what kind of tags and keywords that they're using that is making their video yeah. so successful and reaching the right audience. Uh, and so you don't have to do guesswork. It literally will tell you. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And then on page two of my notes, um, the one thing that I thought was really, really amazing, I mean, there was a couple things, but making sure to have a call to action in the first three lines of your description and in a pinned comment. I'm gonna guess that is your own comment Most that likely. is pinned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, and then on all of those things, all your videos, there's only one place you want the people to go and it is where you can monetize them the fastest. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I don't really, like I think of YouTube as the distribution. Mm -hmm. Like you make a video and you distribute it to YouTube, but actually there's distribu distribution from YouTube to other places. And so it makes total yeah. sense. Like, like back in the day, people would drop YouTube links into Facebook. Well, Facebook hates that. So the organic reach immediately drops because essentially Facebook would be promoting YouTube. Yeah. Um, but the same works in a positive way, right? That any place that you place YouTube videos, like embedded, um, and he didn't really go into what those places are, but they're high domain rated websites that if you embed YouTube videos into there, essentially they're excited because you're spreading YouTube. And so now more people mm -hmm. are going to YouTube, the more people go to YouTube, the more ads YouTube can run. And so, uh, it makes it makes total sense yeah. and so uh just viewing that uh additional distribution level of like okay i got my stuff to youtube but also where like can i put my embedded youtube video all over the internet so that way youtube gets super excited and actually ranks my video better on their own platform which is really cool mm -hmm. so today I ended a little earlier than last time i think we ended at 12 30 instead of 1 30 yeah. so and of course with missing the beginning part with a little sleep in action uh, yeah um yeah we didn't do as much so this one's a little bit shorter but mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for watching hopefully this is helpful and recapping uh some of the really cool tips and tricks that we came out of ad world day three on and so hopefully this is helpful for you as well and uh, maybe if you get a chance find someone who can share some replays with you or whatever else but feel free to reach out to us ask any questions if you want to learn more about Berker Creative Agency and what we do as far as video production for businesses, uh, lifestyle businesses here in Phoenix, Arizona, please reach out to us and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, I seen it all before I heard chat that they all adore. One week looking like they all aboard. Next day, they don't even walk the walk. I've been here since a bust out aqua, cutting through after all black master. Now I'm too grown for acting gaffer, trying to pay off my mind.